What's up, nephews? Brian and Mike here. Coming what up? <laughs> at the beginning of the episode today, just for a little disclaimer. Mm. So originally, we were recording a Halloween episode together on... Captain EO, EO, EO. <laughs> and if you're not familiar with Captain EO, well, this episode isn't going to help you too much. Because long story short, we recorded for almost three hours... I decided to divide the episode in two parts. Um, The truth is, I welcomed a new baby to my home, Mm -hmm. so you and I hadn't talked for a while. So the Coppola News and all those other segments got really, really long. um, And it was almost an hour before we started talking Captain EO. So decided Mm -hmm. to separate it in two. Now this intro is getting a little too long. But (laughs) yeah. (laughs) So this this is part one with uh, sort of some... Recent Coppola news. Some of it's outdated already because the actor strike is over. And I think we mentioned that it wasn't over. <laughs> Hopefully you enjoy it. And next week we're going to have an episode on Captain EO. And one last thing before we get into the episode. I know I keep saying that, but a disclaimer on top of a disclaimer. Uh, I have a little bit of a microphone issue early on. You might not notice it. You might notice it. It gets corrected pretty soon. It fixes itself. It heals itself. And yeah. So, enjoy. Thanks, Mike, for finally letting me tour the Cage Club Podcast Network Studios. No problem, Brian. But hey, could you not tell Joey? He hates it when you mess around with his stuff. Is that every Nick Cage movie ever? Yup. From Fast Times to Massive Talent, this network is pretty much the house that Nicky Coppola built. Hey, what about over there? Where do those stairs go? trying to think of what I should do the intro as. <laughs> this one's fraught with potential landmines. Uh, I should try. probably avoid MJ, but um, I guess I'll do the Spider Queen of the Death Star. <laughs> See if anyone gets that. Are you sure? Are you sure you don't want to be like, this is Uncle Finn? I can't do an MJ. I do like... want to be. Yes, I do very much want to be like that. Or I was thinking of being like one of his Muppets, like, this is the Uncle Francis Wine Cellar. <laughs> 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 yeah, I, I just have to do the Angelica Houston voice because it's like the most appropriate. <laughs> this is Uncle Francis's wine cellar. <sighs> this cut by Cat Francis for Coppola Podcast. And this is a Cage Club Network production. <laughs> we got a weird one today. Want to say that? Have a seat. Have a glass. And welcome to Uncle Francis's Wine Cellar. I'm Brian Rodriguez, but where's Michael? We can't start the podcast without Michael. Oh, I just got back from Sector 743 in the dance-off quadrant, and I'm I'm back after unleashing my inner beauty to shine on the outside as well. I tell you what, Mike, this is a really interesting one to talk about when you're sleep-deprived. Today, we're talking... Uh, <laughs> Captain EO. Um, Happy Halloween, by the way. We decided this would be our Halloween special. Yeah. Happy Halloween, All Hallows Eve. Uh, Last year we did the Dracula with Dan Cologne. This year, this is as close to horror. It's got horror elements. If you're a little kid, like I was when I saw this, you were scared. You were (laughs) definitely scared. 
And speaking of little kids, I feel like I have to announce that, you know, things have been a little delayed on the feed. We sort of mentioned it last time on our Rumblefish episode that, you know, we were a little delayed because of the impending birth of my child. And yet, pretty soon after it happened, and um, my daughter Penelope came early, so I took a bit of a hiatus from recording, but we're back. But if you were wondering, hey, where was my Rumblefish episode? It came out, and this Halloween episode is coming out right after. So do yourself a favor and do a little doubleheader. Listen to that Rumblefish episode. Listen to this one. Yes. Thank you, listeners. Thank you for your patience. Thank you, Brian, uh, for staying up. And uh, (laughs) I don't know if you get to now you're, um, I don't know, like the the podcast father. I mean, you're not, I mean, we have the pod father, which, but I always call Joey just the godfather of the network but you dubbed i think you dubbed him did i dub him the pod i don't know i he's didn't the say pod- the podfather i just say the god that must have been me he's the podfather to me but maybe you should be officially be the podfather at least of this show at least oh. of this show <laughs> we'll see we'll see you know maybe we'll have a contest out there or just between us which coppola character should be the godfather to my child which mm. should, it, should it be fredo <laughs> should it be tucker uh, I will say Jack. I, I enjoyed <laughs> I enjoyed the reference to us in your recent post as his favorite as as Uncle Francis's favorite nephews. <laughs> he doesn't really know about us, but I feel like we're his favorite nephews out there. Yeah, we're, what does that make us like uh, estranged? We're his estranged nephews. Yeah, I don't know if we're estranged because we never had a relationship with him. Long lost nephews. There you go. That's <laughs> what I think I was reaching for. <laughs> Oh, man. Regardless, thank you, nieces and nephews, for sticking around. We're going to hit the ground running for the rest of the year and next year as well. A lot of exciting things planned, including a foray into some non-visual media. But we'll get there first. We have to talk Captain EO today. But first, remember, guys, keep your friends close and your fellow podcasters closer Hit that subscribe button wherever you're listening. Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher. Oh, no Stitcher anymore. I forgot. <laughs> oh, oh, whoops. While you're in any other podcast app, I'm not sure anymore. Time and space is a weird thing. But remember yep. to give us a positive review or a five-star rating. Why don't you tell a friend about Uncle Francis's wine cellar? Why don't you tell family about Uncle mm. Francis's wine cellar? Get the word out there. Listen, I have a new mouth to feed in my house, Mike. (laughs) Then we better start a Patreon so, uh, you know, we can cover some dues at least and uh, buy some diapers. You know, it's not like we're going to be spending it on cannolis and and watches. That's what that's what we want people (laughs) to send to us. We're not going to be using their money to buy that. It's just to keep the lights on. Absolutely, Mike. Speaking of which, though, we are now open for a diaper sponsorship here on Uncle Francis's mm, Wine Cellar. Yes, yes. If you, if you are Pampers, if you are Huggies, if you are... Uh, by the way, Honest, have you heard of this brand? It's Jessica no. Alba's brand. Oh, hmm, okay. Jessica Alba is like a multi-millionaire, like a multi-diaper millionaire. Really? Yeah. Mrs. Timberlake is a diaper mogul? No, that's, that's, that's not Jessica Alba, that's... That's Jessica. Oh, that's Jessica Beale. My bad. Jessica Long Beale. Yeah. Long Jessica. Dark Angel. Remember that one? Uh, yeah. Since Not Alias. <laughs> Regardless. That was Ben Affleck's wife. A food company for children. 
Yeah. Oh, so my wife tells me Jennifer Garner is a baby food magnet. Everyone's making money on babies except us, Mike. I mean, they're just the brand name, you know. I blame Baby Boom, the movie starring Diane Keaton. Don't just Baby Boom. I'm not dissing it. I'm, I'm just saying, like, it was so good that, uh, uh, you know, women who grew up watching it, who had babies, realized that they could also then have a second career uh, off of their child. Baby Boom is a movie my mom talks about a lot, along with Mr. Mom, like similar mm. era. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know why it comes to, like, it comes to conversation with me and my mom a lot. So it's funny that you bring it up. Well, it, they're very, I think that they're good child rearing movies and they're about people in at the time, at least, uh, unfamiliar situations. You had uh, Michael Keaton as the stay-at-home dad, and then you had um, Di- uh, Diane Keaton, and that's kind of weird, as uh, the single oh, yeah. mom. Oh, yeah. That, I yeah. never thought How of weird that. weird is that? They're not even related. Because but... <laughs> I no. think Michael Keaton... Oh, we have, the new, uh, we have a new podcaster on the rise. No, so, uh, sorry, that's, that's Keaton... a sound effect, Mike. I just, I just typed my soundboard. Anyway, continue. I, I think Michael Keaton's real name was Michael Douglas, but that was taken. I don't know if that... If I heard him tell that story, <laughs> is that true? I'll I think have to it's look true. It I love Michael Keaton, so that makes a lot of sense. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, Diane Keaton, of course, is our K Adams here in the oh, Coppola verse. Right, yes. yes. And we haven't had the K versus Apollonia chat in a while, but we haven't talked Godfather in a while. This yeah. though today, Mike, is so <laughs> far <laughs> removed from the Godfather. Is I it, love it. Is it? It's it's about it's about a family of misfits, <laughs> yes, uh, imposing their influence. <laughs> you know, I mean, I'm not I'm joking, obviously. I mean, it, it's oh god, it's got more to do with Star Wars than uh, Godfather. I think I'm going to need some wine for this episode, and it wouldn't be Uncle Francis's wine cellar <laughs> without the wine. So here today, I have a Francis Coppola Diamond Collection 2021 Ooh, Chardonnay. Very nice looking chilled because it cool. is a little warm in here so that's what yeah, i'm yeah. pouring all right i uh i do not yet have vittoria coffee i'm still <laughs> waiting on them to send me some i'm waiting for pacino personally to be like mike you gotta try this it's why i'm an actor <laughs> speaking of pacino i i think i mentioned this last time but if not cheers to pacino cheers to de niro Cheers to Brian Rodriguez. Three new fathers in 2023. Wait, so, what? De Niro too? De Niro too, yeah. De Niro had a kid, Pacino had a kid, those guys, and I had a those kid. Those guys are in like their 70s. It's <laughs> so weird. It is incredibly weird, but I That's love like it. It's like when Tony Randall was still having kids like, towards the end of his life. Like Then it was like he was the only one. Now everyone's doing it. Well, maybe that Vittoria coffee you know, really gets you going. Who knows? Who knows what's in it? Oh, it gives you the spot. But what is it about Pacino and coffee? Like He did the Dunkachino. He did the Vittoria. I don't know. We, and we lost the Dunkachino this year, too. We lost the Dunkachino, and he gained a child. <laughs> That's how it goes. You have to pay. You have to, you know, sacrifice one for the other. That was the deal. <laughs> so I mentioned it a little bit earlier, uh, but just want to mention it again. Check out our Rumblefish episode. Took me a while to edit, but I was up late at night recently, so I was I was able to do it. That's such a great movie and such a cool movie. If you're not too familiar with Rumblefish, obviously check it out, watch it, and I bring it up too because to go from things like The Godfather. To Apocalypse Now, to something like Rumblefish, and not in this order, obviously, but then you have something like Captain EO. You see the diversity in uh, Coppola's portfolio, and I would argue yeah. 
if Rumblefish is something where he was like, F the studios, let me do it my way, Captain EO might be the opposite. And mm-hmm. we'll, def- we'll definitely get into it. And a huge aspect of Captain EO, though, is the studio and is yeah. the money pouring in. Disney being the yes, studio here Disney, is the, the structure. Yes. It's almost opposite of, of Coppola vision. Well, I mean, it's, it is and it isn't. Like the way I was thinking about it is like, you know, Disney is Coppola in this position. Usually it's Coppola like making demands, pushing the button, saying it has to be this. This is my vision. And this time they came to him. I think they came to him. But like the idea was birthed at Disney and they were all in charge. And they're the ones that are pushing the agenda, basically, and like all the ideas. And then you also have like Michael Jackson, George Lucas, like all of these powerhouse players in the top of their positions at the time. And, you know, like every i don't know it's just like this whole thing is wild it just oh. looks like it's filled with second guesses 100 percent. you know I, I did a deep dive of how this came to be and it is mm-hmm. quite insane and to, again, yes. to me it just feels like anti the american zoetrope image it's not to say it's bad or anything like that it's just sort of different macopola it was a different time for him but we're gonna kind of sort of maybe jump right into it right now i'm just assuming because such a big component of the captain eo experience at the time and even when you analyze it today is the merchandising so let's open up the stand mike mike's merchandise of the episode right (laughs) come walk this way take a look we put the picture's name on everything merchandising merchandising where the real money from the movie is made. So I'm sorry if I assumed you you found something Captain EO related. Oh, oh, oh I did. Okay. I did, and I, and I found something like authentically Captain EO related. So just let me know when I should send it over. Send away. Okay, because I mean, there's a lot of stuff out there. Like I even flirted with the idea of, of getting a, a new T-shirt, you know, like a one a modern one. They have they have sites that do that. And thing. I'm not going to buy anything here, but like this, I thought was interesting. And I know there's some people out there that definitely want this. So check this out, if you will. This is a pair of the 1986 Captain EO. Uh, it says Disneyland, but it was actually Epcot Center. Uh, purple 3D glasses that they gave out that, that you watched the ride with. Or the movie. <laughs> the movie ride. How do you know they're the Epcot ones? Because it was at both. Was it? Oh, I, I wasn't aware that it was at Disneyland. Okay, then these must be the Disneyland ones. I thought it. I thought it was only at um, Epcot. Oh Center. no! Oh, I'll go through. I the mean, whole I knew. Disney I knew later. it was. I knew it was in other countries around the world, but I didn't know as far as America. I thought you had to go to Epcot to view it. No. So for the record, um, it was Tomorrowland in Disneyland in California, and in an Epcot Center in uh, Orlando. So okay. That makes sense. On both coasts there. So these are great, Mike. These are awesome. Yeah. You're an eBay guy. You buy on eBay. You sell on eBay. You know a little bit more about the game than I do. So I know I'm not preaching to you as much as I'm preaching maybe to the people listening out there. One of the things that goes for the highest prices I've seen on eBay, and I did a little research before this, are just Disney park merchandise stuff mm-hmm. like there yeah. is such a market for that now just like disney tchotchkes stuff that they had like oh tokyo 2000 millennium disney uh, yeah. mickey mouse statuette right like 
Like I see that stuff on there all the time going for high prices. Yeah, I remember being there the first time and I think it was like 84, 85 and it was like Donald Duck's birthday, you know, and it was like, oh, wow, if I had a shirt that said like happy birthday, happy 50th birthday, Donald Duck or whatever it was and like was able to pitch that on eBay today, I could probably get a hundred bucks for it. I mean, th there's a vintage Tokyo Disneyland Captain EO bumper sticker from 1987 going for $90 and $20 shipping because it's probably in Japan. But like, you know, astronomical prices for for these, yeah, for these things that they only made a, a limited number of and most of it was tossed away because at the time, like no one was really collecting it except for who are now like these hardcore Disney Disney people. adults, Disney adults, or just um, like, you know, niche collectors throughout the years, right? That, that just had the foresight to know, oh, this is rare because it's a limited run. Uh, so like hold on to a bunch or something. Absolutely. And uh, we'll get into like the Michael Eisner of it all. Oh my God. <laughs> but there was a transition around this time and it really continues today to make Disney not just for kids. And I, I said the term before, the yes. Disney adult. I am not one of them. I'm not anti-Disney adult. I'm just not like in that crowd. I haven't been to Disney in years. That's one. But there's also a huge niche of theme park lovers out there that are not just exclusive True. Disney people. So Captain EO, believe it or not, has mm. been covered on a ton of podcasts. It's been covered on a mm. ton of YouTube videos, yep. but mostly from theme park people or toy collector people huh. or people like in that niche, not from the Coppola realm of things. No. Yeah. Yeah. It, I noticed it's like, um, like retro 80 enthusiasts. You said like, they're focusing on theme park and, and uh, obscure and defunct rides, stuff like that. Uh, you know, I know there's a lot of channels out there that are like, oh, here's something that existed once that never will ever again. Like, yeah. So, I mean, I probably watched all the same stuff you did, and there's a lot of stuff. So the disclaimer I have for everyone out there who's maybe tuning in, we're going to be more film focused today. We're going to be more Coppola focused today. It's going to be more in line with our podcast. Uh, if you want to know more about the ride and things of that nature, or you want to know more about the Michael Jackson components, right? Like there are Michael Jackson podcasts out there. There are Michael Jackson YouTube pages. There are, uh, like you said, a lot of defunct 80s theme park stuff out there. Like we are not well-versed enough in yeah. the theme park to go over like ride schematics and things of that nature yeah. i know this much michael jackson lived in his own theme park <laughs> that is true so i'm sure there's a there's some kind of world colliding on that podcast wherever that's being made <laughs> so mike i love your little ebay merch here if you go on ebay and type captain eo there's so many interesting things i did the same thing and i found yes. something that's a little wow. bit weirder and more interesting just sent it to you it has a high price tag did you get it? That's hefty. That's hefty. That it's very nice though. Like <laughs> why, don't you, why don't you describe what it is? Some picture. It's a photo of basically the Trinity behind the creation of this. It's it's Francis Ford Coppola, Michael Jackson in the middle, and his Captain EO regalia, and then George Lucas at the end in a Hawaiian shirt. <laughs> and and he's got the he's he's got the salt and pepper beard. I love that's my favorite George Lucas. And some of the behind the scenes he was clean shaven yeah. and it was kind of like worrisome to look at. He looked very teenaging. It was weird. And, and so this is a photo framed with a little as like a little plaque. It says Captain EO. 
Climb on Board, Fall 1986 Disneyland, and then that's it, right? Yeah, it's a, it's a plaque. I mean, I don't know how you can authenticate something like this to uh, charge $299 Ooh. and then $2135 uh, shipping and handling. How do you get that past eBay? You know, like, and how do you know that's real? I don't know. But but it's awesome. I would make my own. Like, I'll just print a picture of this, of the three of them, make a little plaque, go to the go to the trophy store, be like, can you just engrave it? <laughs> be like, all right, you lunatic. The one thing that makes it feel authentic to me is that I could not find this photo on the internet at all. Hmm. It seems to just exist in plaque form. <laughs> so, weird. But very weird. Oh, very maybe it was like a set gift. Maybe it was like a set gift. So yeah, Mike, I cannot wait to talk more Captain EO. I can't wait to talk uh, the weirdness of this, the behind the scenes of this. We do have a lot of news to get to. Yeah. First though, <clears throat> Mike Capella, are you there? Oh, yeah. It's been a minute. Hold on. Let me make sure. The... <clears throat> me, 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 me. So Brian, I just have one question for you. Where in the world is the Godfather streaming? Love it, love it. Oh, I, I added, I added the snap. I hope, I hope that's okay. Love the snap, love it. So, Mike, this is an interesting development, and it's actually a positive development. I've seen a lot of people on the X respond to this. By the way, on the oh, are we calling it the X now? <laughs> because I could get down with that. Calling it X <laughs> is kind of bullshit, but if we're calling it the X. We might be on to something. I don't know, but on the X. On, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> yeah, it does sound good. On the X, I actually <laughs> first noticed this and I checked it out. The Godfather, all three films are currently free on Pluto with ads. Oh, that's dope. All right. Yeah, dude. So let me just chime in and say ads on Pluto and Tubi are not like ads on television where they just drop them in wherever the fuck like they actually plan like at act breaks at ends of certain scenes and then they'll and they even count down to the ads to get you ready and stuff so like worth watching for free if you need a few ads on uh on on those apps so very cool i agree with you mike i know it's probably a hot take from us like oh the godfather should be seen in his purest form Yes, like some watches, I think you should watch it like that. But I've seen on the X, on social media, a lot of people talking about just running The Godfather in the background while doing work, yeah. while doing other things, and noticing little things, picking up on scenes here or there. If you're Godfather lovers like us, which I know a lot of people are, and you've seen the movie a million times, they've used Pluto to make it so much more accessible before that Thanksgiving yes. season. We assume it's going to go back to... To where was it? A TCM or Spike TCM, or something? AMC. AMC, yeah. <laughs> something, right? It is AMC, right? We assume it's going to go back to AMC for the holidays. But before then, to uh, as Don Fonucci says, to wet, to wet our beak a little bit. They put it on Pluto. Yeah. So that we're like, we get addicted. Then they're going to take it away from us and make us watch it on AMC. And I love it. I love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, look, I mean, I'm, one of my mottos is kind of just like, any way you can see it, watch it. And, you know, and that's like, at least, like I was saying, they try to break it up as respectfully as possible. And if it's the only way, if you can, you know, watching it for free, as opposed to like buying it or renting it, watch it for free. If you can watch it for free. And now I'm wondering, now I just have to chime in here because uh, last month I went and visited 
the podfather, the old podfather, the, the godfather of the network, uh, Joey Lewandowski. And we went to go get sandwiches in a deli and none other than the godfather was playing in the deli. And it was like a decked out Italian American deli with the flags and everything like that. Um, Joey went back there and messaged me and he's like, hey, I'm in the deli again and they're playing the offer now. I was what? like, what is happening in this deli? <laughs> is he just a Coppola fan? Like, what what's going on? And so he asked, like, the guy, like, what's happening? And the guy's like, he didn't really give, I didn't really get a straight answer. It was more like, well, we put on what we want, but one guy likes to listen to, like, bad music and another guy likes to watch this and that and this guy was watching the godfather i was like oh i just assumed that like they ran it 24 7 and that was like the theme of their deli but like something's happening something's going on with it you know it's good that it's out there it's being played in delis all that stuff i wonder if they'll run the offer on pluto Mm, maybe paramount has a uh, deal with them you know and they're like hbo definitely ran a lot of stuff like warner brothers had like the Matrix on there and uh, like a lot of stuff that's on HBO Max is on there now. Uh, so things things are getting uh, heavy over there. Maybe those ads are really paying off. So Pluto is owned by Paramount. I know because my brother told me. So it is their like oh, there you go. depository for for uh, things that may, I mean, it sounds bad because obviously people watch the Godfather. No, well, it's, but... it's like their save file, yes. you know, that's how I feel about it, right? Like they put it in that big file over there and it's all free stuff for now until they yank it out and, and put it up somewhere else to charge. But it doesn't stay there, you know, it's like, it's interesting how they bump it up and down. Like, um, you know, like Major League Baseball, you go down to the minors for a bit and then you bump back up to the big show. <laughs> Yeah, I think all networks own one of these because, like, Fox owns Tubi. I know that. Uh, Pluto okay. is owned by Paramount. And, you know, I know they sub-license some things, but also, like, you're right. Like, it's 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 a way to get things get things to have a little bit more exposure. Maybe it's the wet-your-beak strategy that I think they're doing before uh, the holidays. Nah, you know what I think it is, though? I think it's just that um, streaming is becoming the, the norm and not everyone can afford it. So there are these free streaming apps that are like watching cable, right? Like it's pretty much like watching cable because you could, you could also watch live TV on a lot of these networks and you could also watch a lot of straight up just like, you know, Adam's family channel, where it's just 24 seven, one show on the channel, which is like, was a dream come true for me for some shows. I mean, I always thought of that as a kid being like, wow, imagine if just like one channel just reruns <laughs> all day of the same show. Uh, so like it's an interesting strategy the more people are cutting cords and, and going to streaming and realizing i think that like they can't really afford an amazon prime or, or a disney plus account but they can afford like a free v account or a tubi account because it's free for sure so if you're out there and you have been watching the godfather on pluto let us know what your watching experience is like do you dim the lights mm -hmm. and, and treat it like you're in the theater do you do, you know, your work from home routine with it in the background? Like, yeah. how are you enjoying The Godfather on Pluto? Let us know on our social media. Remember, we're at Uncle Francis's Wine Cellar on Instagram. I mm. am at Oh My Rodriguez on the X. Uh, <laughs> Mike is at The Mikester most places. S-T-I-R. S-T-I-R. Got to, got to. Put that there instead of S-T-E-R. 
but I, Brian, when you kept saying that watching The Godfather on Pluto, I imagined like someone on the planet Pluto <laughs> watching The Godfather. And that got me thinking, what if The Godfather was the first movie watched like on the moon? And then that got me thinking, like, what movies are they watching on the International Space Station and, and shit like that? Like, and, and in space shuttles, like, do they have movies with them? They have to have, right? Because, like, I'm sure they're sent up, like, films and, and things. Of course. And, well, now they probably have yeah, a so, so I assume they just watch whatever they want. I need to see a picture of an astronaut watching The Godfather <laughs> in space. That is That would be amazing. I'm, you know, I'm going to Google that quickly. Has The Godfather ever been watched in space? Yeah, what is the list of movies in space? Like, that is... I'm genuinely piqued uh, of my interest right there. I piqued my own interest. <laughs> it's related. Because they have to have probably seen, like, Avatar or some Avatar 2 or some shit. It premiered something up there. I mean, definitely. Like Mission Impossible. Like, probably send them, like, a Mission Impossible. A complete list of the 533 movies and TV shows watched on the International Space Station. Oh, wow. That's it? Only 538? This list came out in 2016. Oh, wow. It's that old. So it's was it's it... been a while. Um, this would be a cool podcast is to watch every movie watched in space. <laughs> That'd be great. Okay, here we go. An alphabetical list. Has The Godfather been watched in space as of 2016? The last time I can get the data. Charlie St. Cloud is watched in space? Okay. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Zack Attack. <laughs> <laughs> they definitely watched The Godfather. I'm only on E right now. Falling Down has been watched in space, by the way. Uh, I'm just going through random ones. Wow, dude. You do not want that. <laughs> uh, Gladiator, Godzilla. What? that's awesome i don't see the godfather oh. though it goes from wow. godzilla the 2014 edition to going my way gone in 60 seconds cage club goodfellas i do not fast and furious i do not see the godfather watched in space that is bullshit in bruges that is that needs to be rectified folks i mean we got to get the new list we got to find out i'm looking if the they count the on this stupid space list they do count the on this stupid space oh, list. I hate places that count the. The Godfather, The Godfather Part 2, and The Godfather Part 3, remember this is pre-coda, have all been oh, oh. logged on the International Space Station. Oh, right. Yes. That's cool. Including, ooh, there's an error on this list. They list The Express and the Ernie Davis story as two separate movies. That's the same movie. Of all the movies to make the error on. Anyway. Eyes of March. It's some list. It's- <laughs> Is aliens on that list? Oh, I have to go back to A. I'm not doing that. I'm just in the. Oh, okay. the you're on does the wrestler. We mentioned that last time because of Mickey Rourke. Like, what's something? What's is there? I would imagine there aren't that many space related movies, like movies that take place because most of them are horror films or like tragedy films. You know, like Apollo 13 is probably not on that list. Probably like best not to send them that. Wayne's World, but not Wayne's World Two. Huh. Hmm. Both Total Recalls. I'm looking for a space one. That's interesting because that's a Mars movie. Like, shit goes wrong in true, space. True, true. Uh, there's not, you're right. Like, space is the one thing. There are space movies. They've seen 2001, obviously. Uh, but honestly, right, it's, that's weird. it's mostly things like the Royal Tenenbaums. They like a lot of Wes Anderson. Yeah, space. they probably keep it light, like comedies and shit. Like, I bet Jaws, like, they, maybe they sent Jaws because it's, like, more classic but like i doubt they got like the friday the 13th and like uh the Jace- jason's and freddy's and halloween's this is a weird thing uh the office seasons one through three and season five were logged in space but not season four <laughs> huh. anyway like you said that's a different, like... different podcast different <laughs> idea good to know gotta get the updated list so we know the godfather has been seen in 
space. So new song, uh, would it be like, where out of this world is Godfather playing? <laughs> I don't know. We'll have to work <laughs> on the International one. Space Station. <laughs> speaking of songs, speaking of space and time and the confusion of all things out there. <laughs> yeah. The displacement that, that it causes when you're in space for too long <laughs> with, with unfamiliar creatures. Can I can I get the uh the news jingle? Megalopolis update. Megalopolis news. Of course, we are talking about Coppola's Magnus Opus, perhaps the dream project that we're still waiting to come out. Now, the writer strike is done, but the actor strike is still active. Of course, the actors are all done filming Megalopolis, and we learned last time that they have a waiver anyway, so apparently it should be full systems go. We don't have a lot of news regarding Megalopolis. No news might be good news, Mm. but Mike, I got another question for you. I might have an answer. And this was a question that was trending, I felt like, the entire time while I was in the hospital uh, waiting for my daughter to be born and after. I remember reading this in a lot of places and I was like, what? So I'll ask it to you, Mike. How often do you think of the Roman Empire? (laughs) Almost every day. <laughs> Almost every day. Ever since I saw Patton, at least. You know why, Brian? You know why I think of the Roman Empire so often? Because I was there. <laughs> First of all, hilarious. Did you see that that was trending? No, I had no idea. Why is that trending? This whole thing was trending. It was like, I forgot where it was from. If, if you okay, if you if you had the dial of destiny, where would you go first? The Roman Empire. <laughs> well, you know how they used to say that like men think about sex every like thirteen seconds or something like that. The whole thing was like men yeah. think about the Roman Empire at least once a day, and people were talking about this online. It made me laugh for the reasons that you were saying, Mike. Like because on Patton, <laughs> well, he thought about the Roman Empire every day because he. He was there so like we had just covered that and then i had just edited that episode and then this was coming up i was like what the that's hell? so weird so aside from Patton, always thinking about the roman empire two, two things came up in my mind right you know we were thinking about it because of Patton, obviously but for us i feel like in the coppola universe and the uncle francis's wine cellar universe the question is more how often do you think about sicily mike <laughs> Well, it's funny that you should say that because I was actually out to dinner with one of my brothers and his son, so my nephew. So I was the uncle that night, and <laughs> we were kind of we were talking about the Godfather, and Sicily came up a little bit during that. And uh, I think Mission, the new Mission Impossible, was mentioned too. And there's a moment, and is that the way is that when they go? I think they go to Sicily in that, and then. Um, it occurred to me, Brian, I thought of a really fun Godfather-themed tattoo because my brother was like, oh, you work at the tattoo shop now. Like, I always wanted to get a tattoo. I was like, oh, we should get something that, like, a matching tattoo. I don't have a matching tattoo with anyone, and you're my brother. It's like, well, what are you thinking of? I was like, let's get cannolis. Ooh. I was like, we'll get little cannoli tattoos, you know, and uh, we'll each have, you can get, you can hide yours down by your ankle, and I'll, you know, put mine on my forehead. I don't know. No, not there, but like, I'll, you know, I'll put it somewhere cool, you know, and uh, that's an idea. What what are the inner thigh, Mike? Yeah, do the inner thigh or right above the knee on the inside there, like the lower thigh. (laughs) Anywho, um, 
a lot of what we're going to talk about today, believe it or not. You didn't expect me to be like, sure, I'll get it there. Why not? I mean, like, <laughs> yeah, I don't, know. I don't know how to answer that. <laughs> <laughs> but a lot of what we're going to talk about today is the Coppola family struggling to adjust with modern social media. Um, for whatever reason, that's what most of the news articles are about today that, that I've gathered. <laughs> yeah, it just seems like the mom and the daughter have, are from not talking to each other about this stuff at all. <laughs> So Francis Ford Coppola is on TikTok. I am not on TikTok. Are he's on, on TikTok. TikTok he's on Instagram. He's all over. Like he has his. He's got to have his granddaughter working as his social media team. Like it is bazonkers how he's everywhere. He's so hip. He's better than I am. At he's trying. Media. He's trying. That's for sure. So apparently, someone on TikTok. He's no asked, Scorsese. He's no, no Scorsese <laughs> and his daughter. We'll put it at that. Apparently, someone on TikTok asked him. Hey, Uncle Francis. They didn't say that part. <laughs> how often do you think about the Roman Empire? And of course, he had a nice little answer here. He says, how often do I think of ancient Rome? Quite a lot. As the Roman Republic served an example for my country, America, and its institutions, and was the inspiration for my upcoming film, Megalopolis. What? <laughs> so Get guess- the hell out. I guess the uh, the Roman Republic inspired Megalopolis. He continued, by the way. Mm. My fascination with the Roman Republic is based on a struggle between the political parties during which the interests of the Republic yielded to the ambitions of a few powerful men who espoused the aims of political parties to establish their own fortunes and authority by relying upon armed forces to achieve those ends, dealing the final blow to a constitution already tottering to its fall. Wow, he uh, does think about it a lot. (laughs) (laughs) So that question was pretty much built for Uncle Francis, I think. That's amazing. I doubt the uh, interviewer was expecting that. He was probably expecting the patent answer. And instead he got like a real fucking answer. (laughs) But I think it was just a rando on TikTok, which is the best best part of that. (laughs) Amazing. But it is kind of funny, though, how like there's three tiers to... The Coppola's like understanding social media. You have Uncle Francis out there acting like one of like the the, the the preteens. Like he's all over it, you know. Like whoever's on his team is really trying hard to promote him as an artist, not Megalopolis, but like here's my career as an artist, not even just a filmmaker, but like here's his relevance. You know what I'm saying? To like modern everything, cinema, all that. And then you have his daughter who like hasn't even heard of Letterboxd. Don't jump the gun, Mike. Don't jump the gun. Because the theme here okay. is going to be Coppola family and their social media. Oh, we're going we're gonna to get to Sophia. All right. But All still, right. On, still on Uncle Francis. This is yes, Uncle Francis yes. on Instagram now, of course. Francis Ford Coppola is not the legacy director in the news these days. It is actually more Martin Scorsese because Killers of the right. Flower Moon dropped. Three... And a half hours long or something along those lines. Ten years in the making. Yeah. Ten years in the making. A very popular book. Of course, Uncle Francis had to chime in on Instagram. Uh, <laughs> he said, if a theater wants an intermission, they should just do it. No, just kidding. <laughs> I'm not going to read everything Coppola wrote about the film, but he is very excited. Uh, he called Martin Scorsese a, one, a wonderful person, and he claimed that him, Martin Scorsese, is the greatest living filmmaker and that the film oh. delivers on every level. I wouldn't dispute that. And, and we all know that he he had uh, Martin Scorsese's mother was in Godfather Coda. 
Yeah. Remember of that? She is in there in the old neighborhood. She walks in front of the the import that is that's still there, and she's like, "Oh, remember when this used to be such a nice neighborhood?" <laughs> and she gives the whole speech. <laughs> Mike, I, you know, sort of cut you off a bit because I didn't want to spoil okay. the, this great article from the Hollywood Reporter, which was about everything you just said between Sophia and Uncle Francis. I guess Father Francis in this case. <laughs> Apparently, in the Coppola universe, Sophia and Francis talk a lot about how to use social media. Oh. This is a big thing between the two of them. Sophia, of course, because of the Priscilla film, which I know you guys are going to cover on Elvis, maybe we'll cover here as well. It's getting a lot of yeah. buzz, a lot of people talking about yeah. it. I can't wait to see yeah. it. I know that. Um, she's been on the press roller coaster, on those press junkets. She was asked about her dad. Um, and she confirmed what you said, Mike. And I feel this about my own mother as well. But she said that Francis is way more into social media than she is. <laughs> he actually sent her a video regarding a book signing she was doing uh, in New York. And it was a video about the line outside. And was like, hey, Sophia, check out the line to the book signing. Like, while she was there. <laughs> at the book That's signing adorable <laughs> and again if if any of you has has a parent on social media uh, you can relate i can certainly relate to that uh, you sent me this though mike uh, regarding sophia that barnes and noble has her book the sophia coppola archive which is a collection of uh photos from her career i definitely want to get this it's awesome it looks awesome yeah yeah it's it's, it's basically like all the production art that she comes up with when she makes a movie you know and all like the personal notes and all the different like samples and and lists and everything so that seems pretty awesome i actually got to take a quick look at it from uh, over at the uh joey lewandowski's he has it of course he does 85 dollars. he pounced on it i i can't yeah i watched a video of her going through it on youtube that's how i how i owned it <laughs> but if anyone wants to send us a copy of barnes and nobles listening like we will fully review that thing and it is a tune it is it is huge since the wine cellar is located in the godfather joey lewandowski's basement anyway we can just walk upstairs and take a look at it that's why i haven't bought mm. it yet but you know christmas list or sophia if you're listening if you want to be the official book of uncle francis's wine cellar send us a copy we'll yeah. review it here we'll have an entire episode on it if we get a copy of it so going back to how the Coppolas manage social media, uh, do you, you know, the reporter asked her if she has a letterbox and she's like, I don't even know what that is. That's my next article, Mike, because this is what everyone was messaging me about. Because on High School Slumber Party, I talk about letterbox a lot. We kind of talk about it here. We mentioned it here for a specific reason one day. What was that? That was the day that Sofia Coppola's daughter posted a video of course <laughs> her of very course. first movie her short film which was epic and someone made a letterbox entry for it and it lasted all about 12 hours before it was taken down but <laughs> i couldn't find my screen cap but like you know I, there's no way sophia is not aware of what letterbox well, is look, i'll that. read it word for word i mean if and if you're out there not familiar with letterbox that's totally fine i recognize that this show might have a little bit different of an audience than some of the other shows letterbox is just like the film nerds reviewing 
website, right? Like, Well, it's basically just a place where you can log every movie you watch. That's all I think it started as, right? It's just a place where you can keep an online diary and have a community of friends and, and everyone can read each other's thoughts about movies. And it, it sort of got co-opted, if you will, by a certain group of people. And I'm not saying that's good or bad. You know, it happens. And like the letterbox community, I'm a little more in tune with them than I thought I'd be, I guess. But like, I don't know. It is what it is. You know, I, I only treat it. I try to treat it as a place where I could just keep track of all the shit I watch. I'm not anti letterbox at all. I know people, some, some people have accused me of that in the past. I love letterbox. <laughs> I don't have a letterbox, but I love letterbox. I refer to it a lot. Again, especially on my other show, High School Slumber Party, we cite letterbox scores a lot. But you cannot deny, and you're acknowledging this right now, you cannot deny that it is a different crowd than people who review on IMDb or Rotten Tomatoes or. Yeah. Uh, more of those style of aggregators the letterbox crowd takes their craft very very seriously and there's nothing wrong with that i would be a hypocrite and a fool if i sat here with my like seventh film podcast your 30th film podcast and we sat here and be like oh so corny with those reviews in letterbox we take time out in our weeks and our busy weeks to edit film podcasts. So obviously we are in the same crowd. Regardless, uh, let me read this little exchange between uh, Sofia Coppola and, and the reporter Kyle Buchanan because it is rich. All right. Uh, they started talking about Marie Antoinette. And Sofia says, I love that Marie Antoinette is having so much love around it because it's sweet. Which is true, right? I remember when Marie Antoinette dropped... There were people who loved it and people who hated it. Yes, yes. And it, and it did what lots of movies did after it, which was inject um, like period music from the wrong era to sort of, um, you know, accentuate what was happening in the film, right? Like people were pissed because she scored it with modern music instead and, of like... And people are wearing Chuck Taylors, you know what I mean? Right, like, right. Yeah, and, and exactly. But like that's what makes the movie to me anyway. Indeed. Yeah, it's ahead of its time in that respect. So yeah, it's. I'm sorry, it's no Knight's Tale, right? <laughs> Knight's Tale and Heath Ledger do that shit too. It's like every other they song did. is Queen. <laughs> R.I.P. Heath Ledger. Uh, so Kyle Buchanan, the reporter, <laughs> the reporter replies, "In a letterbox era, people love their rankings." And and Sophia stops him. In the letterbox, <laughs> Kyle Buchanan says, "Do you know what letterbox is?" No. Kyle Buchanan. It's a film site where people can write these long or pithy reviews and you can rank a film from one to five pithy. stars. Basically, if you're a film fan these days, instead of displaying your DVD collection, it's all about your letterbox. I okay, can we just hold on for a second before we get her reply? Because like I have never heard it referred to in such a like shaming way <laughs> like it just feels like so much contempt for this site is out there that i'd never observed like i am so in the dark because of what's happening in my own life none of this is on my radar like i just literally thought like letterbox was with people who maybe they preferred 824 okay but like they're not they're not there just to write pithy reviews and prove how fucking uh nosed in the air they are and shit like that this guy is starting to aggravate me i don't know 
I don't know. I didn't know that that I didn't know that if the, should I cancel my letterbox? Like No, 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 no. keep on? it, keep it, keep it. <laughs> All I'll say is that some people have called me the Kyle Buchanan of the Cage Club Podcast Network with the things I've said about letterbox, but I love letterboxed regardless. He goes on to say, I would 100% guarantee that every girl who came up to you today has a letterboxed. And what? she says, and that's where you show the movies that you're loving. I'm telling you, Mike, she is clueless about it. It is not. It is not like an actor. Yeah, she because we know, Brian. She's not this good an actor. <laughs> I'm joking. No I'm no joking. Comment. I had to, but like, I don't. I don't know. Like, Wait, I don't it, know, man. It like, goes on. It goes on. Okay. It goes on, and it's great. Kyle goes, yeah. So Sophia says, "Is there a dating aspect to that too?" And Kyle Buchanan says, "There can be," which. Side note, that is so overrated. I've heard a lot of people say, like, oh, Letterboxd is kind of a dating website, too. Now, no, I'm not, not in the market, bullshit. but there are certain people on this network that if Letterboxd was a dating website, they would be Casanovas. And I know that <laughs> that is not the case. And I'll leave it Let's at just that. Just say, like, Joey would have a harem, right? Like, if it just <laughs> went by his Letterboxd. Like, I don't disagree no with way. that. I don't, yeah. I don't disagree with that at all. I still look at it daily just to be like, what did he watch? What did he watch? Like, have I seen that yet? (laughs) I've gotten so many, so many good movies off of him. And I'm not going to get into detail, Mike, but sometimes I found out news about your life through your letterbox too. Oh, yeah. No, let's just say, (laughs) don't watch Possession going through a breakup. Whoops. And that's that's the Sam Neill one from the eighties, the Polish film that takes place in West Berlin. Holy shit! Ooh. Like, and Ooh, it's all about a couple going through a divorce. So don't watch that when you're. It's a horror film. <laughs> like it is. It I is think I need nuts. to watch this one. I mean, it's that a great, great. It's a great. It's a fucking great movie. Don't get me wrong. Just whoops, wrong time. So so, so by the way, this goes on with Sophia. Uh, after she realizes that there can be a dating aspect, she says, "You meet a guy." You can see what movies he likes, right? And then Kyle goes, yeah. I think there was something that went viral recently where a couple met on Letterboxd. Oh, I've never heard of Letterboxd. And that's how it ends. So, Dude, can't you just, you could just go on a date and talk about your favorite movies. Like, you don't. That doesn't happen anymore. You know, maybe maybe it didn't make the news in the same way that, I'm I'm just I'm very surprised he didn't mention how viral her daughter's video went about like that tutorial she was doing in the kitchen and all that kind of stuff. Like it's shocking that that wasn't brought up in a conversation about social media and like the the wear and tear of it or like how to use it and 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 all this kind of stuff. But like that's that's where I thought this was going is like you have the the three generations using it in three completely different ways. You have like the grandpa who's like, you know, he's he's like a, a, a fucking um, supermarket circular, right? Like he comes in the mail every day, like junk mail. <laughs> I'm not saying it's bad. I enjoy what he's posting and how he's doing it, but like it's so like feverant, right? Like he does it all the time. And then you have Sophia, who's just like so blasé about it, just like, oh, I'm aware it exists, but it doesn't affect my day to day and I don't rely on it for promotion. And then you have her daughter who's like cutting edge, right? And it's like, here's my most, here's, here's what's happening in my personal life in, in a very entertaining TikTok. And like, that's the, that's like the medium of the now and stuff. And she's tapped into that. 
there's a larger article here that could have been more interesting. That's all I'm thinking. This is still very good stuff, though. Look, Sophia's going on this press tour. I have not seen one mention of her daughter. I wouldn't be shocked if that was on the questions you don't ask thing, because it's shocking that no one asked her about that whole thing that went viral, right? I I can understand the respect of that. Like, it didn't occur to me, right, that like she's on this press tour for the movie, keep it about the movie, but you're shifting the conversation to social media, and it's not like what she did was, was bad. Like, it wasn't, quote-unquote, like a negative thing. Like, I don't think that it necessarily was like, oh, Sophia's a bad mother or any of that kind of shit. Like, <laughs> no, like, like she's a cool mom, if anything. Like, she raised this cool daughter who's like, you know, whatever. Like, that's that's what it feels more like. But I understand the, like, you do you do get a list of be like, no mention, no mention, this kind of stuff. All I'll say is that we don't know what goes on behind the scenes. I'm not here to parent someone else's child. It would be a bit hypocritical of Sophia to be like, you can't be famous when Domino mm-hmm. is in a lot of the movies we're going to cover here. But um, maybe maybe her experience on The Godfather 3 has made her be like, my daughter cannot be famous and I'm not going to contribute to that at all. I don't know. We're just speculating now. I'll speculate and just say, you know, just Sophia making her own movies, uh, you know, 99.9, if not 100% about young women going through, like, you know, serious stuff, most of all. And, like, Priscilla probably the age of her daughter right when she you know when this is happening and so so like i could understand those being worked out you know she's still working stuff out through her films about that stuff so like you know i could see that being more of like uh yeah i don't know who who knows but uh, i say say it in my art like she says it in her films right so a couple other sophia things i do want to mention today and if you're like where's the captain eo content captain eo is 17 minutes long We will get to it. Relax. This is is not a (laughs) three-hour epic that we have to talk about. Um, Trust me, you don't don't want the EO. (laughs) It's been a while since since Mike and I recorded, so we do have a lot of news uh, to talk about. So a couple other things I want to mention. One of them, it's not really related to this show, but I have to say it in some format. Sofia Coppola talked about how she almost directed a Twilight movie. And then passed Ooh. on it at the at the end of the day. Not the first one either, like a Twilight movie. No, so we have actually talked about this on high, on High School Slumber Party. They were trying to get a big director to direct either the last one or the second to last one. Oh, they right. were in talks with Sofia Coppola. The problem there was she wanted to do things her way, and God bless her, she should have. She wasn't going to continue like the format of the series. But she's now saying she read the script and she was really weirded out by Jacob imprinting on the baby, spoiler alert, in Twilight, Renesme. So she was like, <laughs> As everybody I don't know on this. the planet was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so she really didn't want to conform to the to like, you know, what the studio wanted there. But it is I could awesome. see her killing the first movie. Like I could see her knocking that out of the park. She could have killed any of the films. This is one of, and I'll go to bat for Twilight. And if you're like Brian, the Coppola fan, going to bat for Twilight. He's a a twihard, folks. Check out uh, my other show, High School Slumber Party. Talk about Twilight a lot there. Got to mention, shout out Kate Hudson, my co-host, usually on the Twilight stuff there as well. But if you watch the Twilight films, they are pretty timeless. They are better than they should be. I'll put it that way because of the direction and i'll say a couple of them but sofia coppola would fit perfectly in that realm if she was given permission to do whatever she wanted it's crazy but if you've seen them 
it's really a match made in heaven there. So I, I wish he got to do one, but it just wasn't going to work out. You know what, though? Like, she did The Beguiled, which was sort of a horror film, right? Like, you could watch that as, like, a horror film, her remake of that, which was really good. But, like, knowing what her father did with Dracula, I want to see her werewolf. I want to see that. Ooh. Like, maybe not so much the vampire because it's just pretty boy, you know? He's just, like, he doesn't really shift at all. He just is a vampire all the time. So, like, she couldn't really do too much. Maybe with some of, like, the more evil vampires, she could give them veins. But, like, I would have loved to have seen, like, her her take on the monsters, you know? Like, what would she do with those to make them, to Sophiaify them, if you will? A hundred percent. And then something else that I'm pretty disappointed on that she didn't get to make. She was talking about a, a partnership she had with Apple TV in 2020. That I remember talking about this with somebody. I don't know if it was you or Joey or somebody. Um, they were going to let her do a series. Now we know that it was going to be based on Edith Wharton's 1913 novel, The Custom of the Country. And she's been telling people that it got squashed because Apple executives were not happy that the lead was an unlikable female. And that's so, so disappointing because like men, women, whatever gender you are, you could be likable, you could be unlikable. That doesn't matter necessarily. For me, what matters is who's behind the project. Mike, I'll just ask you this simple question. Would you trust Sofia Coppola with a project like that? Yeah, 100%. Like, Because to me, like, I'm not always watching a show or a movie about a character I like. Like, I fucking hate Darth Vader, but, like, it's a great character because of how evil he became. You know what I'm saying? Like, the, the pathos going on. Like, that's the point. The point isn't whether or not it's a, the character is a good or a bad person. It's how genuine is this character and how well is it being played and portrayed and acted and direct and all that kind of shit. So, like, you know, I, I, I don't know. what Like, Dracula, right? Like, he's a horrible guy, Okay. But I love watching Dracula being portrayed on film because it's so interesting watching the struggle of this guy trying not to be bad. And sh But like at the end of the day, I'm driving a stake to his heart, you know, but that's the idea of these movies, you know, like that. I think of that movie Monster with um, Charlize Theron, where she played like the serial killer. Right. And it's like, well, that was a terrible fucking person, but that was a great character. She played, you know, I watched that movie twice i'm not gonna watch it again it's a hard watch but it's like you know it just seems so besides the point i'm only gonna watch a show about a likable person i'll go even further with that like i think that's what's missing from cinema today i hate that i hate that yeah. so much i think that's why like the joker movie went through the fucking roof is because like it's not just it's not so much that it's the joker it's like here's a person we don't have to like you know like the movie's not saying like this person to me anyway is saying like we're just going to explore what makes someone this bad it's frustrating because so many great characters now are being criticized for not being perfect and not being likable and oh this depicts um you know a flawed woman and it's like oh my god women can have flaws like that makes them human and that's what's that's what's so important um i also like so this is something i, I think i've even had arguments with joey about like you know light arguments right like i i've heard from people say like oh this character is mean-spirited or or and i can't watch them or oh this character is this or oh, this character is that like this is more from my love of reading i love reading characters who are imperfect 
who can be a little bit mean-spirited. I'm not rooting for them. I think they need to trust the audience a little bit more that, like, we could watch a main character who is a bad person or is unlikable and not be like, I want to be that person. Right. Yeah. No, I think you're absolutely right. But that's the culture, you know, is like action hero. Right. And then look what they did to all the villains. To a lot of villains, they neuter them and they become antiheroes. Okay. So it's like Venom. I'm not a bad guy. I just look like one. And I, you know, oops, I killed one or two people, but like they deserve to die. And like, I'll try not to do it again, you know? And like, he's got his conscience and Eddie Brock and all this shit. So it's like, it, it's definitely, would you say they neutered it? Yeah, they, they definitely do that a lot. And, you know, and you can't have it. You can't have it either way because if one day they're yelling at you that like uh, this character is a Mary Sue and the next they're yelling at you like she's not capable enough, you know, and it, or like same with a him. You know, or are they? And it's just like, you're missing the whole point. You know, if you're just going to watch shit you like, go seek out shit you like. But don't slam everything because you don't like what it is. Like, you know, there's a thing called taste and a thing called preference and all this stuff. And like some people want to be challenged. And I think it's more interesting to watch something challenging than something that is easy sometimes because I already been through that, you know, and I want I want to be forced sometimes uh, through entertainment to sort of, you know, shift my thinking a little bit if possible. So, And that's what I like about Francis. He does shit like that. Like Apocalypse Now. Like name one, maybe maybe uh, Chef, the cook. Like maybe he's like the one good guy in that movie. Maybe. Right? Maybe. If that. How about Michael Colleone? <laughs> Not exactly. a good guy. Not a good exactly. Guy. Like he, he doesn't make movies about <laughs> <laughs> what about Captain EO? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but like the perfect example, right? Michael, everybody fucking loves the Godfather. Like take a hint, take a hint, right? We love it because it's the villain's journey, you know? And it's like, he wins the first two movies. He wins, you know? And then in the third movie, he fucking loses everything. But like, he, he's this <laughs> guy who wins, you know, it's a bad guy winning. So and look at the Sopranos. Like, I hate everybody on that show, but I love watching that show because it's so genuine to the characters, you know? 100%, Mike. Sorry, I'm giggling because I clicked the last article I wanted to share with you. I was like, what was it? I'm like, oh, yeah, this is the coup de gras. I love this so much. It was an article oh, in Rolling Stone that Sofia Coppola, you know, just a, just a little interview here or there because of Priscilla. <sighs> so she talks about her father. And apparently they had a conversation where Uncle Francis says to his daughter, Hey, Sophia, have you ever thought about recutting your films? Get out. <laughs> oh my God, what did she say? I need to know. She says, <laughs> and remember, this is the whole premise of this show today. Or yes, like, you know, in yes, general. That's, that's amazing. <laughs> she says, my dad loves to recut his movies. And he's always saying, you can do that. Um, but she replied, I don't have any desire to. I feel like they are what they are, even with their baby fat and awkwardness. And that's what I was thinking about at the time. You know, she's referring to something nice. else. Nice. And, and then she goes on to say, I'm always happy that I get to make what I want to make. I was happy we got to make that movie. Again, I'm not sure what movie she's talking about. But Maybe nobody saw it. It was a flop. No, this is way back when. So the fact oh, well, that... Oh, I think it's uh, I think it's still Marie Antoinette. Oh, maybe Virgin Suicide. That's another I feel like lost high school movie. So the fact that it's lived on and people talk about it is really satisfying. But well, you know, she goes on to talk like that. But 
I just love her dad is talking to his daughter and his daughter, who, by the way, has become an incredibly important and successful filmmaker in her own right. And that's not even debatable. And they're having the conversations that we think they're having, I guess, is my point. Right. Like, yeah, it's. Sophia, if you're not satisfied with the way that people interpreted Marie Antoinette, why don't you recut it? Like a Marie Antoinette yeah. Redux or Marie Antoinette the Coda. <laughs> yeah, you know, put the put the new music to it, recolor color grade it, you know, more sepia tone. Like I could dude, I could totally see like, hey Sophia, so what are you doing this weekend? Why? You have any ideas? What why don't we recut one of your movies together? Like could be nice like this is a total generation gap this is like that like culture gap kind of thing like between like parents and their siblings like i i run i ran into this often with my parents from time to time but it's like dad that's what your generation did you know like you you and stevie spielberg and and uncle george like you guys recut your movies two three times close encounters the special editions of star wars like that's you guys like we we live with our mistakes like we live and we learn <laughs> and it's like it's cool too because like it reminds me of like uh cartooning and comic artists and and guys like that and it's like you know charles schultz never went back and fixed his old peanuts like they look drastically different and his style evolved and it changed. And later on when he could draw, they couldn't draw as well. They got different again, but like he never went and like went over his work or like Bill Watterson or like, you know, fucking Todd McFarlane and shit. Like these guys aren't going back and saying like, you know, if I could only redraw that episode, that, that issue of Batman and re-release it today. Like that's what, no, you like, it's also, you could go look back and be like, that's where I was and here's where I am. And then, I don't know. Like that that's where my train of thought goes right now. <laughs> you know what you're not you're you're absolutely right. I laugh because it is so true. Like that is not that also doesn't feel like a Sophia thing. It just does not. Uh maybe she'll change her mind one day. I don't know. To me it goes back to the thing you said about the three generations that are out there right now. Look, Sophia's daughter might not want to be a filmmaker. We might be just like, you know, overrating her work, right? But you have uh, Francis really paving the way for a certain kind of filmmaker. Um, and you could even talk about his father, not in film, but in a different kind of art, in orchestras, things like that. But Francis is like the rebel. Then, he, you know, he has a daughter who makes movies a different way. It's funny because, like, yes, they're, they're father and daughter, but you can't say, you know, their movies have some similarities, but you can't say, like, they're in the similar vein or in the similar style. No, I, I would say the closest that, that Francis has come to a Sophia film is probably the conversation. Like, as far as maybe technique and, and tone and shit like that, maybe maybe uh, Rumblefish too. Like, it's more along those lines, right? Like, it's not the big movies. It's his smaller, more personal, private stuff. Yeah, for sure, right? And then you have uh, the daughter, who I know she's made one movie, but it's in that modern TikTok style that you know short shots i saw a meme the other day and it's like what the hell like how are all these kids amazing dancers on freaking tiktok and you know look at us at like the senior prom right and and that goes with filmmakers as well like these kids are making great little short films who knows what they're gonna do when those are feature lines but maybe feature long films don't exist in 30 years i don't think that's gonna be the case but theoretically right we don't know the direction <laughs> they're going it's like a beautiful evolution in culture and and be, the simple conversation between 
father and daughter is indicative of that. Like, the generation that recuts, like, that might be ending. And I know we get recuts today, like, the Snyder Cut and things like that. But, like, is there really going to be, That's a like little a, different. Is there going to be, like, a Barbie second cut? Probably not. Yeah, no. I don't see Greta doing that either, you know? She's more in line with, like, the Sophia school. You know, they're, they're contemporaries, right? So, it, you know, it seems like... Well, that's what you guys did. Like, this is what we're doing, and it's much more raw to begin with, anyway. So, uh, I know I don't, I don't foresee Greta Gerwig recutting anything. <laughs> oh no, absolutely, no, absolutely <laughs> not. So we're gonna leave you right there. Um, thought it was a good place as we get right into Captain EO after that yeah. point. So next week we're going to talk the the teased Captain EO, the sensationally weird Captain EO, one of the most interesting Francis Ford Coppola projects out there. But until That's then, Mike, why don't you plug what you've been up to lately, your shows? Sure. Well, I guess the holiday is right around the corner, so keep an eye out for a very special Third Time's a Charm Christmas edition. Ooh. Everybody out there. Also, um, the Return of the Monsters That Made Us is out there, so look forward to episode new episode of that coming out, The Mummy from 1999. With Brendan Fraser, a really fun episode comes out at the end of November, last Friday of November. Lots of good stuff. Uh, the Elvis podcast with uh, Joey Lewandowski and myself. Go check out the newest episodes of that. We talk about Priscilla by none other than Domino herself, which we will get to on this show soon, and all the other great stuff at cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. Of course, I also host High School Slumber Party. Mike's often on that, so check us out there and check me out as well. Island Addington will be back soon, and we're going to do an AP episode um, and you might hear me on Third Time to Charm soon. Who knows? Mm. But until next time, where we will, I promise you, discuss Captain EO. Leave the laser gun, take <laughs> the space cannolis. <laughs> Again. Can you?